The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. All right, so as you gather those, you're going to have a chance. If anybody has bills to pay, if anybody needs some extra money, you're going to have a chance. Now, if you're online joining us, I'm sorry, but uh, you can't participate in this uh, or win any money. (laughs) Matt said you can cash app them. I could cash app you if you're online, but you can't participate in the actual activity. If we're out of them, that's a good thing because I brought... More than I thought I needed, which means that we actually have lots of people here. Uh, and so there's one right there. Rocky got gypped. I'm sorry, Rocky, that you got gypped. I tried to get lots of extra, so we obviously have some, a great group here. Uh, this is my new preaching personal assistant, Donnie. He's going to stand here, and he whispers in my ear what to say. And I wait for him. Kind of like that movie Hitch. Anybody's ever seen that? He just tells me, they want to hear this. Say this. It's amazing. That, that's good because I need my hands to pass out money today. So I needed my mic to work. All right. So what do you have in your hand? Anybody want to guess? Somebody said candy. It's not. A bath bomb. We're going to use it in church, so let's hope it's not a bath bomb. That would get awkward. Chalk. Could be chalk. Uh, there's also a tool there. So what we're going to do is take that tool. Inside each one of these little blocks of something, substance, is buried a treasure. And in your hand is a tool, an archaeology tool, that you can use to break and scrape apart. Kyle, don't start too early that you can break and scrape into your tool in order to break your treasure free. You can scrape it and scratch it. It will scratch right through the plastic, so you don't have to even worry about pulling off the plastic. You can just use your tool and break right through the plastic. And you will have one of these 12 treasures in there. And so on the count of three, I'm going to say on your mark, set, go. Uh, You can dig through there. Kyle has to have a three-second penalty delay because he already dug. Kyle has to have a 20-second penalty delay because he already unburied his treasure. Uh, And so you're going to do that. And I'm going to give out some prize money based on what treasure people find. Um, and so are you ready? Marks, get set, start digging. Start digging. You should have a treasure in there. You can dig through it. Scrape at it. It'll dig. It might be a little annoying. You can do it over the cup. If something gets on the carpet, it's okay. Boom, he's done. It's quick. There's one done right there. There's one done right there. Donnie just put it on the ground and started pounding it with his fist. Donnie just started pounding it with his fist at the altar of the Lord. He's getting into it, but he got it. Yes, there's got to be something in there. Yes, there is, Donnie. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It could be small, but it's in there. Boom. He had to have help finding it. 
There's one right there. Boom. All right. So the first person to tell me that you have this particular stone, okay? I'm not going to have running because I don't want people to get hurt. The first person to stand up and say these words will get this $10 bill. All right? This is like treasure bingo. Okay, if you're still working, I'm sorry, but I have to keep this moving. Maybe you'll be on the second one because I'm going to do this four times. So you might miss the first one, but you might get the fourth one. If you have snowflake obsidian, now how would you know? Wait, 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 everybody sit down. You were the first one up, I think. Um, I need a judge. I need a judge. Kyle, come stand right here and be my judge. Keep your eyes peeled. No, turn around. Keep your eyes peeled. A step way back so you can see everybody. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Snowflake Obsidian, I believe you were the first one. Uh, and you would know this because it's black with white speckles on it. All right. Come get your $10. Boom. Right here. We have one Snowflake Obsidian. All right. And I won't tell you what to do, but boy, in the Lord's house, sometimes when we give, we just give things away because we're generous. I'm just joking. You don't have to give away your money. All right, next one. If you have, drum roll. Here's the problem, okay? You guys look way more interested than when I actually preach. And that is a significant problem, Okay. For the winner, Unikite, which is gold with orange all over it. Rocky, how do you know what Unikite is? Did, all right, come on, Rocky. If it's gold looking with orange all over it, let me see the evidence. It's like reading a bingo card. Boom, there it is for $5. Boom. Five bucks. That was 10 bucks. This is five bucks. I have different amounts of money here, different amounts of change. The next one is... Lapis lazuli. How do you know that? There's a chart on the screen. I thought I was the only one with the answer key. You cheaters. But that's all right. We got it. So much for my description. Boom, $5 to Ben. And the last one, the grand prize winner of $20 is Red Jasper. Come on up for $20. Sorry, I'm not the judge. I'm just the dispenser. Boom. There you go. Thank you. I saw that in your hand. Red Jasper. All right, wasn't that exciting? Everybody loves. Are you still trying to dig yours out, Penny? Are you still trying to dig it out? Oh, okay, everybody stand up and dust yourself off. Everybody stand up. Dust yourself off on the floor. We are more than happy to vacuum this up. That's right. 
That's why, that's why we have Stosh. He thought his work was done, but it is not done. Dust off as well as you can. I'm sorry that you came clean and beautiful and you're leaving a filthy mess. Church is supposed to work the opposite way. Okay, so what does that have to do with the service? Uh, absolutely nothing. I just wanted to do it. It was a fun time. Uh, no, it does have something to do with the service. Today's message is on burying his treasure in your story. I noticed a couple of things when you're digging it out, but I want some people to shout out to me. Digging that out. What was that like? Easy, Easy for some. Donnie said destructive. A little stressful. A wrong tool. Messy. Therapeutic. Unscented. Painful. Okay, here's the truth, guys, about unburying your story. It can be all those things. It can be a little messy, right? It can be a little stressful to dig at some things that are in your life, that are in your story, where God's brought healing, God's brought change, things that you're trying to bring out. It can be a little bit, feel a little bit destructive, like, oh, it feels like I'm crashing into some stuff I don't want to crash into. It can be therapeutic, right? It can be all of those things. One thing I noticed uh, was that uh, Donnie over here, uh, he crushed his almost completely to powder and kind of shot away treasure in it. There's nothing here because it had gotten kind of shot away and Jackson had to come over and help him dig through the rubble and the dust to find it. Sometimes we feel like our life has been so just crushed or destroyed. There's like, I don't have a treasure. There is nothing buried. There's no story to share. There's nothing good. There's no glory in this. And sometimes we actually need other people to come alongside and to help us actually look through our life and say, you know what? You might have missed it, but here's the treasure in your story. There actually is something good in your story. And so opening up our lives to somebody can sometimes bring us to a place where we realize, wow, God's done something powerful, and I didn't even realize it. And so this is the last Sunday that we're going to spend specifically talking about our stories. Uh, so far, I have about 15 of you on video uh, sharing your story, and I just encourage you to get on and share your story. doesn't matter if it's finished. We're not talking about finished and edited and proofread and the grammar and the punctuation's perfect, and everybody says, okay, you're, this is ready to publish. We're just talking about sharing your story where you are. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It helps us overcome in our own life because it sets us free from condemnation. It sets us free and allows us to see the goodness and the glory of God in our own life. It gives us hope and faith. Okay, It also sets others free when they hear the hope that we have in Christ. About Isaiah 51, 1 through 3 says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. It's saying, look from the place that you were dug out of, right? We just did that. We just dug a treasure out of some rock, out of some clay, out of something else. We said, we're going to dig into that and pull something out. Okay, that's what this passage is talking about. Look at the place that you were dug out of, to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. We think, oh, Father Abraham, if, if you have studied the Bible much, if you know history and biblical history, you know, well, Abraham, he's a man of God, a man of faith, he's all these things. But that's not really what this is referring to. 
This is referring to him even before that in his brokenness, in a place where God hadn't quite brought through the promise and the faith yet. He hadn't quite established him yet. Going all the way back, he says, you came from the same place. So it says, look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he was but one when I called him. This is before I did all the great things in his life. He was just a single person. And he said, I called him that I might bless him and multiply him. This is when he was too old to have children. He thought that they were going to be barren. God wasn't going to move in their life. The promises of God had failed. There was nothing good that could come out of them. They had already blown it. They had already missed it. And it was back then that God said, you know, I'm going to call you. I'm going to pull you out of this. And I'm going to do something in your life. And so he says, look at him, because the way that he was dug out, that's how I'm digging you out. I'm digging you out of the same rock. I'm digging you out of the same story of, of potentially having missed it, and yet I'm going to bring something good out still. I'm not done. I'm going to draw it out. It's been buried, and I'm going to pull it out. It says, for the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all of her waste places. He makes her wilderness like Eden, places that we thought were destroyed and no good, like Donnie's thing smashed all over the ground. And yet he says, you know what? I'm going to pull something good out of that. Wildernesses. He's going to turn into Eden, like the Garden of Eden, a place where there's nothing. He's going to turn into a place where there's abundance and blessing and provision, and most importantly, his presence. Because in the Bible, it talks about in the Garden of Eden that he came down and he would walk with them in the cool of the breeze, that he would spend time with them, that he would be there in fellowship with them, that he wants to bring us into a place of walking with him, not feeling alone, isolated, forgotten, forsaken. Her desert, like the garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. God wants to bring joy into your life, a joy that doesn't just stay contained in your own heart. It doesn't just stay inside of your own block, but it gets broken out and it gets released because, check it out, it comes out in a song. Literally, it comes out in a song, like it just, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So it's such joy in our heart that it begins to overflow and bless other people. Joy in the story of what God's doing in our life. Joy in the story of what he's done in our life. Joy in the story of what he's going to do in our life. Joy in the story that we are participating in this life with a God who is going to take us from here into eternity in a continued life of blessing and provision and his grace, no matter what goes on around us. No matter what struggle we face, no matter what's happening politically, no matter what's happening financially, what's happening in the markets, what's happening in our job, what's happening sometimes in relationships around us, in the midst of every circumstance, God has a place where he wants to meet with us and bring joy. Paul said that he's learned in every state to be content. doesn't matter, he said, if I abase or abound. In other words, if I have nothing, I'm totally wasted, or if I have everything, holiness and contentment is great gain. So I'm trying to live a godly life, but I'm also content in the Lord. And with that, there's great gain. Gain of what? Gain of joy. Gain of peace. Gain of righteousness. Gain of relationship with God and experience of him being with us. And in his presence, the Bible says is what? Fullness of joy. I mean, you can't get through the word without seeing people go through struggle. And yet, in the struggle, constantly see God bringing them to a place of joy. Because it's how he lives. Why? Because he already knows he won. He already knows he's victorious. He already knows the outcome. It's like going back and watching a great comeback on a sports game or a boxing match or, or some other thing, and you already know the outcome, a great movie that you watch, and sometimes your favorite movie, you watch it like 10 times. And every time you get all like riled up and stuff in the middle of it, and it gets you emotional, but you know at the end the good guy's going to win anyway. 
right? You know at the end that the, the couple gets together. Like you, all, you already know the outcome. And so you just love watching it and getting, oh, I just need, I need to go back and watch that movie tonight. It's going to build me up. Well, God knows the outcome. He knows that it ends good. He knows that he brings blessing. He knows that he has victory. And so joy can come out of that, and that's where he wants to bring us. Where did God find you? What rock did he pull you out of? What's your story? I'm going to just list off some stories out of the Bible, give a very small explanation of them. And just think about this. There's Adam and Eve, right? Just born into perfection, everything's good, and then they totally blew it. Totally blew it. And yet, God even promised them that someday he would send salvation. God came and clothed them with the skins of animals to cover their nakedness and to cover that and to sacrifice and say, you know, I'm going to cover your sin even though you've done such terrible things. I'm going to still make a way for relationship. Noah, somebody who was called by God, he built an ark and he was called by God and people rejected him and threw him away and yet he was trying to serve God and love God yet people rejected him for his obedience and his commitment to the Lord and to a point where he really had no outside friends, no outside people but his little family. Maybe you serve God and love God and yet you feel like, man, everybody's rejected me for that in my family. You know, maybe you're the only one in your family that's ever turned to the Lord and said, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live this way. And other people rejected you, cast you out, and you've had to live under that. And yet God calls you forward into a place of joy. And that's part of your story. Gideon, they were being invaded by an outside army, and they found him threshing wheat in a wine press. He got his wheat, he went and hid in a wine press, and he's threshing it out, trying to get food and trying to make a way for himself, hiding in fear. And yet God called him to be a warrior. Joseph had a dream and a vision of how God was going to use him to bring blessing and use him to be a ruler and use him to do all these things. And he wounds up, sold off, beaten up, thrown in a ditch, ends up in a dungeon, and ends up spending time there, ends up getting falsely accused of attempted rape, and eventually finds himself back in a dungeon again. It just keeps getting worse before God finally gives him a place of honor and a place to see his destiny fulfilled. Esther, she faced a opportunity in her lifetime to set her people free from a huge holocaust situation where they were all going to be wiped out with genocide but before that she had to find herself being pushed off from her family getting put into a king's court and part of his uh, concubine setup that he was setting up with the women in a terrible place to be and she's trying to find her way through it and she finds her way through it to eventually set her people free from all being just wiped out in the slaughter and yet God used her. Maybe you've been through something where you feel like you've been abused and been put in a tough situation, yet God wants to pull you out of that in order to bring deliverance and freedom to other people that the enemy wants to take out. Say, well, I don't know if, I can, if I'm going to be able to do any good from where I'm at. God wants to bring you out of there and use your story to help to deliver someone else. There's Hagar. We talked about her before. She's sent out, and she has to flee as a servant that's being persecuted wrongly and unjustly because of other people's misdeeds, and God finds her in the wilderness with her child about to die. He says, where have you come from and where are you going? What's your story? And then God gives him a destiny and a hope and a future. You can go all the way through. You can come to Saul, the first king of Israel. They had to find him in a clothing rack, in a luggage area. They were looking for him, couldn't find him. They are trying to anoint a king, and there he was, back in the luggage rack, the Bible says. That was me. I was literally used to hide in a closet. Like, I identified with that. Like, there I was, hiding back there. They had to come find, come find me. God had to come and dig me out. David was a shepherd boy. Nobody thought he had any value. He wasn't even a part of the army. He was just back watching sheep. Hey, you stay back here and watch the sheep. Everybody else will go fight. 
You stay back there, and he comes to defeat Goliath. Maybe you've been overlooked. Maybe people haven't thought you had much value. Your gifting has no value. Your ability has no value. Your, your whole person, your, what you offer, you've offered to help or to serve. People are like, no, we don't need that. No, we don't need you. Maybe in your family, maybe at work, you're constantly overlooked for promotion. Whatever it is, but you feel like you're small, and yet you serve a big God that wants to do big things through your life. And he's not done with you yet, but this is part of your story. Rahab is a prostitute living in the wall of a city. And yet God calls her and uses her life to bring victory for God's people and for God's plan and purpose. And eventually she's listed in the line and the heritage of Jesus. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed. He wasn't ashamed that in his lineage, in his great, 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 great grandma's life that she had lived this life. Because he's about restoration. He's about hope. And God has that for your life. Jesus, you know Jesus came out of Nazareth? And when word got out that he was out of Nazareth, somebody said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Maybe you're from a background, a family, a place where you lived, uh, something in your life. Maybe you're out of prison or jail. You're out of some place where people look at you and they go, can anything good come out of them? Really? That's a, there, can anything good come out? And so they look at you that way and they think of you that way or you feel that way about yourself and yet God wants to bring you out of that and say, yes, I can do something good even out of that situation, even out of that history, even out of that past. Maybe you come out of a place where you were offended or hurt in church. That happens, happens a lot. Say, well, I'm coming, but I've been offended and hurt and discarded before in, in settings where people said that God was at work. Can anything good come out of that past and that hurt and that brokenness? Yes, God can even bring goodness out of that past and that hurt and that brokenness. There's Matthew who was a tax collector and a traitor. He traded against his own people. Maybe you've betrayed people. Maybe you've been the bad person. And you're still racked with guilt or shame or people in your life still look at you that way. You say, oh, you're a no good. You can't, you could never change. I know what you're like. I know who you are. And yet God wants to change your life and bring you into a new place as a new person that he can use to do something beautiful. But that doesn't change the fact that that is still part of your story. It's still part of your story. It's still part of who you were. I still was an alcoholic. I still was a horrible husband. I still had major anger problems where I used to literally break cupboards on our house and, and throw things around the house and freak out. Like, like, that's how I started. I used to hide in my closet and have social anxiety. That's who I was. It's still part of my story. I can hide it. I can put it away. I can say, you know what? It's not who I am. It's not who I was. I never had those issues. I, I can do all that. But the truth is, it's just a part of the story of what God was doing. And it shows the incredibleness of where he's brought me by being willing to share it. Maybe God wants to share things in your life that you haven't been willing to share. Dr. Luke, in the Bible, one of Jesus' disciples was Luke, a physician, a doctor. Maybe you've been educated and you've had good money and you've been able to do great things in your life. And you say, well, I don't know how God could use that. And yet God can even use those things because people have oftentimes gotten so caught up in their own accomplishment and their own ability and what they can do that they've missed God, they've missed Jesus, they've missed his power in their life. And you can share the story that, you know what, there was a point where, you know, I was caught up in myself or, or I know people who have been caught up in themselves and yet God has been so faithful and so great to let me know him and to understand his goodness and his greatness even above my own and for you to understand that 
Mary, Jesus' mother. Well, I'm just a mom. I don't know. First of all, there's no such thing as just a mom. Right? I mean, what a job. What a job it is to be a mom. To be able to take care of kids and have them in your hair and have them screaming at you. And for many moms to also be working. Maybe doing all these things and taking care of your home and trying to nurture and trying to love and trying to care and to look out for them. All these things that you do as a mom. And then when they move out, realize, you know, I'm still a mom. I still got to take care of them. I still got to love them. I still got to help them. I still got to pay for a little bit of this or pay for a little bit of that sometimes. And I got to still listen to their stories and still take their tears. And I still got to, like it never ends. And so Mary comes and she's a mom. What a story, a mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, she was tormented by demons. Spiritual activity going on inside of her. Tormented and couldn't get the voices out. Maybe you've dealt with demonic oppression in your life. Maybe you've dealt with just emotional or mental things that feel like voices and, and chaos in your own head and in your own heart. And you're like, I don't know if I can share anything because it's just too crazy. Well, God shares right here about one of his own followers, one of the people that literally followed and found his empty tomb and says, you know what, hey, this is one of my followers. She was possessed by demons and totally nuts. And he wasn't ashamed to write that in the book and to tell the story about how I loved her anyways and brought her close and she became a great part of my ministry. Fishermen, maybe you're a businessman, people that owned boats and cast their nets for fish and drew in the fish and just tried to make a living I'm just out here trying to make a living. I'm just trying to provide. I'm just trying to care. Maybe that's you. And I'm just a business guy. I'm just a business gal. I don't know. I'm just, I don't know that I have a story. I'm just trying to show up on Sunday and not mess everything up. Try to make a couple extra bucks. Find another hustle. You know, maybe that's you. My wife and I spent 20 years in business. But you know what? There's times in our business and in the life of business and in the life of sales where we had to just throw ourselves on the mercy of God because we didn't know how we were going to even make our rent or make our mortgage. Right, But the rest of the world had to see a good, strong business person because we're trying to sell. Can't say, buy my product, I'm broke, and nobody else wants it. Right, You got to keep trying to sell right? with confidence. You got to walk in the door and say, I got the best there is. And you got to try to like, present that and bring the joy and bring that. So who do you go to when you're struggling and you're looking at your checkbook and it doesn't line up? You throw yourself on the mercy of God. Lord, help me. I'm doing all I can. I used to have on a whiteboard in my office, and on that whiteboard it just said, in Proverbs, there's a verse that says, the hand of the diligent will rule. The hand of the lazy will come to slave labor. This is back in 2007 when the market crashed in real estate and everything just, people couldn't sell their homes. I was literally sitting with people to do listing appointments about selling their home. They thought it was worth 600000 which it was three months ago. It's worth four hundred now or three fifty. I literally would just sit across the table, person after person, they would just bawl because all their retirement plans, all of their things they had lined up were just, they were gone. I'd show them the papers. I'd show them the comparisons, all the stuff, and they would just break down at the table and start crying. What are we going to do? And I wanted to love them and have a heart for them because I'm a believer, and at the same time, I'm thinking I'm walking out this door without a listing, and I'm going home to tell my wife I have no money again because I can't sell anything. And the only thing I could do is throw myself on the mercy of God every day and say, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I don't have another skill set right now. I don't have another job. I don't have another place to make money. I just have to walk in the door every day and try to sell this. I have to try to help people with their houses, and I know they can't even afford to sell them. I need your help. And I'd point at the verse, and Josh Jensen worked with me back then, and we'd both walk in, we'd point at the verse, and we'd say, okay, hand of the judge, don't rule. We'd just pick up the phone, make calls, 
send out emails and just do the job every day and just trust God, you're going to bring some kind of provision, you're going to help us. And I literally would make phone calls sometimes, privately there in my office, making phone calls. I would literally make sales calls, calling for sale by owners and expireds and people like that, trying to find a, find a deal that I could do, knowing that even if I got a hold of them, first of all, 50 calls, two would actually stay on the phone and possibly give me an appointment. Most of them wouldn't hang up on me. Oh, you're a realtor, boom. Oh, you're a realtor, boom. Oh, you're, so all these hangups, click, 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 and I gotta pay bills, click, click, click. Here's the thing, if I get an appointment, chances are they can't sell anyways because they're upside down, right? So why am I even making the call? Why am I even making the appointment? Then if they do wanna list it and sell it, I've gotta spend money on the sign, I've gotta spend money on marketing, I've gotta spend money on gas driving back and forth, right? So I'm gonna lose money until it sells, and nobody's buying right now. So I'm really gonna be in more trouble even if I get a listing. So hopefully nobody actually wants me to list their home right now. (laughs) When I get home, my wife's going to want to know if I made any money. No. And I don't know how to explain to her that chance of me making any money in the next six months is very low, and I have no idea how this is going to work. I would literally make calls, and I'd make about 10, 15, 20 calls, and then in between calls, I would have to literally set the phone down and cry. Literally, as a grown man with kids at home to feed and a wife at home wanting to know, what are we going to do? I would literally make calls, and then every so often, every 45 minutes or so or whatever, I'd get overcome by the emotions of just the pressure and the stress and the anxiety and the worry that I'd just set the phone down and cry. And then I'd eventually get myself back together and say, Lord, I don't know what else to do until you show me another way that i got to do this. And I'd pick it up and I'd call again, throwing myself on the mercy of the Lord. Well, that's a story of being able to depend on God, and God did come through. What ended up happening is that God told me in my prayer time, he said, you know what, start teaching people how to overcome anxiety and worry in this market. And I'm like, okay. So I told my owner of the, of the big office, I had 250 agents, and I said, can I teach these classes on how to overcome worry and anxiety? She's like, okay. So I do this class. The class gets packed. All these people are coming in. We're all worried and anxious. So I'm just sharing with them. And I'm like, well, I'm not. Well, I'm like, well, I am too. But here's some stuff. I started gathering resources, teaching about overcoming worry and anxiety, and this is going on. About a couple months later, the lady comes in, and by the way, part of this story is I had talked Josh into leaving his salary job at a print shop that he'd worked 10 years to get to, to be a manager of, a FedEx, and said, come work with me. We're going to change the world together. We're going to just overcome the real estate market. It's going to be incredible. And that was right before the crash. So I'm paying him with money I had in savings, which is eventually not savings, which is eventually credit. Money rolling out. Eventually, the credit's rolling out. So I got two families on me. Stress. And we're going through all this, and I'm doing this class. And I go home, and my wife says, what are you doing today? I said, well, I'm going to go teach this class. And she's like, that's not, they don't pay you to do that. I, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, they don't pay me to do anything anymore. <laughs> and she's like, you need to do real estate. That's how you get paid. I'm like, nobody's getting paid by that right now. But I didn't know what else to do. So I'm like, I, the Lord told me to teach this class. And I felt very strongly, I've got to teach this. So I just kept teaching it. A few months later, a position opens to take over the owner's team in real estate, which was the biggest team in all of Clark County, which is a huge county, and all these people and all these realtors, all these offices, the biggest, op- the biggest team of all of the agents of all of the offices, no matter what company. And I get a call from the owner, and she says, hey, um, I need to meet you in my office. I thought I was in trouble or they were going to let me go. And she comes in, she says, hey, we need a new leader for our real estate team. Uh, we had to let our guy go because he wasn't doing some ethical stuff. 
properly. I said, okay. And she says, we want to hire you. She goes, I took a vote on the team. She's like, unanimously, they want to hire you. Because of the classes. Because I was teaching and helping people with their insides. And they felt like they could trust that, so they want to hire me. I said, okay, what's that mean? She goes, well, I'll pay you salary. And she goes, it'll start right away. And I said, no. And she's like, what do you mean no? I said, well, I have, I have Josh. And he works for me, and I can't leave him behind, so I'm going to have to deny this job. And I'm going to have to go wait and try to figure out how to make money some other way. And she just looks at me for a minute. She says, I'm not she's, sure I understand. That is exactly what she said. Praise the Lord. It is exactly what she said. Thank you, Siri. She says, I don't know. And I said, then she said, what if we hire Josh too? And I'm like, if you do that, I'll I'll discuss this with my partner. (laughs) So I went back. I said, Josh, I think we got a job. We're going to live. And we went back, and for the next almost two years, we ran that team, and it was awesome. And eventually moved on because we, we moved and we left and got it, took us to other places to plant churches and stuff like that. But it was amazing, but it didn't come from what was in our toolbox. Sometimes we look in our own toolbox and we're like, how can we make this work? And God's like, well, I got a bigger toolbox. Do you want my help? Right? He's like the Justice, Justin Kaczynski of heaven, right? I'm trying to do work on my truck bed yesterday. I'm like, I'm trying to find a tool at Home Depot. He's like, well, I have one if you want to come by my house. I'm like, well, I think I'm just going to buy one so I have it in my toolbox. Do you know what his answer was? He says, that's great, but it will not have been touched by the skilled hands that these ones have. (laughs) Sometimes God says the same thing. He's like, go ahead, do it on your own, but guess what? It won't be touched by the skilled hands that I've got up here. Let me be a part of the solution for you. But then that becomes part of the story. If we're willing to be humble enough to say, I didn't have it all figured out and I had to have God help me. Right? God wants us to open up these ways. So Lazarus, he was dead. Literally in the tomb. And when God rose him from the dead, he came out all messy and stinky. He could have came out cleaned up and looking beautiful. Raising from the dead was the hard part. God could have had him coming out looking like a supermodel. Flowing hair, smelling wonderful. But he comes out and people are like, behold, he stinks. Behold, he stinketh in some translations. And then he looks at everybody else. Jesus looks at everybody else and says, hey, unbind him. You guys help clean him up. He turned him over in his messiness and grossness and says, you know what, God's doing a miracle in my life, but it's not done yet. I need you to help me finish getting cleaned up and getting restored. So what happens when we're open about our story and we're transparent with where we are in our life. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 12, it says, therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God, it says, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to temper with God's word. So he's saying, we're not trying to manipulate people. We're not trying to have some fancy way of preaching. He says, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. He says, we're just going to tell you what's true, and then you guys can talk to God. Okay, so what does he tell them about? It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's hidden. It's veiled to those who are perishing. So they shared the gospel, and some people couldn't see or understand it. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the good news of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But then he says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So he's saying there's a light that's shining out of our lives that is this glory of God that wants to shine out of our hearts by the work that he's done, the testimony in our own lives of what he's doing. And the verse goes on, it says, but we have this treasure. Where is it at? It's in jars of clay. He's saying we have a treasure that's hidden inside of our natural cells, right? We are made from the dust, made from the earth. He's considering us as jars of clay, something molded together. And he says that we have this treasure inside of us to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He's saying, you know what? There's this thing inside of us that if we can get it out of the jar, if we can break it out of the box, if we can get it out where people can see it, that it shows that it was God and not us. What we typically show people is us in culture. This is me. This is how I'm doing it. This is my 10 steps. This is how I work it through. This is how I didn't give up. This how... When we really show the actual truth of our story, it tends to show there was a little bit less of us and a little bit more of God. Buried in our history is his story, if we'll break it out and let people see what is really happened. And that's how God wants to use us, and that's how we want to do it. I'm going to share one story, and then we're going to close up in prayer. It happened yesterday. I got a call from another pastor yesterday, and he said, I need help. I said, okay, what do you need? And he's like, somebody just called me. He said, somebody I've been reaching out to at Home Depot. Uh, we'd seen him at our church for a little while, years ago. I haven't seen him in a long time, but I see him all the time. Or Walmart. I see him all the time at Walmart talk to them, interact with them, try to love on them. And uh, they just called me suicidal, uh, said they're going to kill themselves, and that they're going to kill... Sorry, I'm still not sure about that. You should be sure about that. That they're going to kill someone else, and then um, they're going to take their life. What do I do? So first of all, I said, we'll pray. Second of all, you need to call and actually have a... Um, request for somebody to come out with mental health services from the police and come out and talk to them. So are you sure about that? You know, I don't want to like, they're trying to confide in me. I said, well, yes, I'm going to do a life-threatening situation potentially. You need to get somebody out there and then you can go meet them as well and talk to them and, and try to love on them. He said, okay. So they hang up the phone, call, call me back a few minutes later. Well, that blew up in my face. That didn't work. <laughs> like, what do you mean? They're super angry because, I, I, because the police have shown up and then the mental health people have shown up. Super angry that I betrayed their trust that I don't care about them and stuff. I said, well, give, give that time to calm down. And then they're going to be thankful that you cared enough to actually take their words seriously and that you wanted to get involved. So I, as I'm talking to them on the phone, they're like, hold on, they're calling through. Which they had said they'll never talk to them again ever because they can't trust them. Well, they're calling through. Okay, go ahead and do that. Like an hour later... I check, they check back in, they say, okay, they're calmed down, they're super thankful that I called in, and that there's people here to help them, to help them calm down, help them get through this, and we are over at the church. Okay, we're going to the church, and somebody else is coming uh, to meet up with us from the church that actually has a similar story, that's been through a similar situation. And so they met up at the church, I didn't hear anything for a few hours. And then about 10.30 last night, I get, a, I get another call, and it was all resolved and done, resolved as in moving forward from that night. Obviously, there's going to be more to work through. But when they got together at the church, the person who had a similar story was there, and they got pizza, and they just sat around and talked, 
and the other person started sharing their story of what they've been through and being open about this is where I was, this is what God did in my life, these are the things I've been through, and they're just like what you're going through that you want to give up hope on, yet God has brought all this change in my life. God's restored my life. There's some custody things with kids going on in the midst of this, and there's some abuse and things like that going on in the midst of this. They'd been through all the same stuff. Say, all these years later, I have my kids back, that we're away from the abusive situations. God's restored us. This is our family now. We've gone through all these things that God's done and delivered and brought through. Mental health has been restored. Emotional health's been restored. Spiritual health's been restored. God's done all these things. And the person just started weeping and crying and just spent a couple of hours of just tears and crying. And in his words, there's snot all over our floor. There's tears all over the floor, just bawling and weeping for hours. Forgiveness, blessing. And he said, by the end of the night, everyone was laughing. The, the, the lady was laughing and, and just so joyful and saying she felt relieved and the burden taken off of her and she feels hope to trust God for her future and to move forward. Why? Because of God's word, but not just God's word on paper, but God's word in a person, actually seeing it lived and played out in the life of someone that was able to turn around and say, hey, this is God's word about salvation and restoration and freedom, and I've lived it. Let me tell you the story of what it looks like when it moves from paper to person and becomes real in a life. And it literally allowed somebody last night to find hope and freedom through someone being vulnerable and open to share that. God wants to use all of our stories that way. God wants to use your story that way, whether it's been finished or not, whether the credits are rolling or not. He wants to use it in process to touch somebody's life. And he can do that if you allow him to do that. I want to put that screen up one more time with the QR code scan. This is the last time I'm, I'm preaching on this, so this is your opportunity. Um, but as I pray, you can scan this. It'll take you to a chance to record your story. Now, it'll let you record it as a video, or it'll let you type it in. So if you're like, I just don't want to do a video, you can, and you can write. You can just write in your story. Now, we're going to be putting these out. If you want to hand out cards, you're welcome to do that. But if you just hold your camera up, it'll bring up a little yellow link, and you can click on the link, and then you can go on there and share it. And we're just going to get these out and just keep putting these out and bringing some hope. And Pastor Art has actually gone this morning because the church asked him to come and share his testimony today. And if you were driving down uh, this road out here, the heading into our church, and you were coming from the south going north on, um, I believe it's, uh, what's the street? Sun, sunrise? Sunrise, there's a big cardboard sign, and on it, big black marker, it says your story is like part of his story. You know, it's, uh, some other church has a big old thing up talking about sharing your story. And somebody else messaged me this week saying, hey, from another church that said, hey, I saw your thing on your stories, and I'm actually speaking on that. You know, can we use your guys' video thing? The point being, God's speaking to a lot of different churches and a lot of different people about the same thing. Share your story. Like, I've done something in your life. Get it out and share it. Romans 10 how can, they, how can they believe if they haven't heard, and how can they hear if no one has spoken it, no one has said it? We've got to share our stories so that other people have the opportunity to come to know the goodness and the grace of God that comes through Christ. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this day and this opportunity, Lord, to serve you again, Lord, with our lives, to love each other, God, to pray for each other as we did today, to worship you. Lord, help us, God, to... Uh, Lord, see our story to take the time to dig it out. If we have to sit in prayer and think about it, if we have to ask someone else to come and help us look through it, Lord, whatever the method is, God, help us to look through 
Lord, the history of our life and say, you know what? There is a story in here. There's a treasure in here of what God's done. And it's worth digging out and it's worth sharing. Lord, help us to have the boldness and the courage to do that. Open up the opportunities in our lives for us to do that. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. I love you guys. Uh, If you got kids, get them out of the classes. And we do have uh, opportunity down the hallway to hang out and have some fellowship time. Love you guys. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.